the body has innate intelligence, that the body is wise, that the body knows what it's doing. It's not stupid. It doesn't make errors. It doesn't attack itself. It doesn't just screw up or break down, but it's wise and, and it has intelligence embedded into every single cell. And I feel like German New Medicine really honors and recognizes that intelligence in a way that I don't think any other holistic profession even does to the extent that German New Medicine does. You're listening to the Feed Your Wild podcast, a conscious lifestyle show about all things nourishing for your body, mind, and soul. I'm Vanessa Rodriguez, and join me for candid conversations with changemakers, exploring health and wellness, food as medicine, intuition and spirituality, and nature-based practices that will transform your health and feed all parts of your wild self. Hey there, welcome back to Feed Your Wild This is your host, Vanessa Rodriguez, functional nutritionist, Akashic Record reader, and intuitive nourishment guide. I'm always happy you're here, and if you are new to this podcast, then welcome. We've had quite a lineup of amazing people over the past few weeks, and coming up, I feel so blessed to be in conversation with these incredible humans, especially at a time like now during coronavirus that can feel extremely contractive and challenging and fearful. And I feel like so much of what these guests, these teachers that are coming on have to say, at least in me, have really provided a touchstone, a sense of hope, and a pathway to move through some of the contractions and the grief and the challenges that I know so many of us are experiencing. And while everybody's having their own individual experiences and difficulties, I know that there's also opportunity here for many to look into the spaces and the places that maybe have been hidden or have been put away and to get curious about the creative process in the sense of expression of what has been wanting to be expressed through you. Maybe thinking about the ways that we can connect in with a sense of regeneration and within that sovereignty So thinking about the ways that we can really support ourselves, you know, what are the ways that we're connected in to systems or beliefs or programs that hold us in a place of vulnerability when those systems or programs or beliefs start to falter or shift. These are big questions, right? These are big things that I know I am dancing with right now. I have heard from many others that they are also exploring. Really, I think that with all of what's going on, we have an invitation, this larger invitation to imagine or reimagine what a more beautiful world would look like in the words of Charles Eisenstein or a new earth like Eckhart Tolle. As you can see, I've been in deep thought around a lot of these things. 
And I've been in deep prayer for those that have been impacted greatly by the events surrounding COVID-19 and um, prayers for us all um, so that fear and uh, panic don't consume us, but rather can be felt and moved through us and we can find the the strength and tap into our resiliency and our inner knowing on how to move forward in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. So that's where my mind and heart have been. And today we're having a sunny day in Southern Oregon and uh, feeling that sun, that springtime sun upon my face and my skin brings that renewal kind of energy that I feel is so desperately needed. So I invite you to to invite in that sun upon your face and on your skin and and just to feel into that energy. Today, we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Dr. Melissa Sell. And she's going to be talking to us about German new medicine. Now, in this interview, I kind of share a little bit about how I came across German new medicine. And when I did and when I found Dr. Melissa's work, I really felt that, first of all, I love the way that she teaches it. And I made sure to link up some of her videos below, and she'll talk about those in this interview. But I felt like it was really important to share this perspective in this time right now. I believe that there are so many beautiful medicine traditions out there throughout history, throughout the world. And I really feel connected in with those that have a more empowering stance. And unfortunately, I feel like while conventional modern allopathic medicine is incredibly helpful for certain situations and cases, you know, emergency medicine and even like in times like now where people who are having respiratory failure need support and modern tools. So in that way, it's such a gift. But I feel that this reliance on just that fixing a symptom and not really looking at the root is such a limiting way to practice medicine and to look at wellness. So it's part of my mission with this podcast, Feed Your Wild, to highlight a lot of these more empowering medical traditions, empowering views of health that are regenerative and that honor the innate intelligence of the body and also the mind-body connection. Which is why German New Medicine and the way that Dr. Melissa Sell speaks into it fits right in. In this interview, you'll hear Dr. Melissa break down 
what German new medicine actually is and the paradigm shifting work of Dr. Hammer and how it's changed her approach to health and healing. She goes over the five biological laws that help you to better understand yourself and the language that your body speaks. We talk about the psyche-brain-organ connection and various psychological shocks called conflict shocks that impact the expression of what could be considered dis-ease in your body. Dr. Melissa demonstrates how our body has these wise biological programs that attempt to resolve conflicts and how this process is grossly misunderstood by conventional medicine. We'll touch on the science of embryology and how there are specific tissue types that are associated with specific biological programs in our body. And so we'll see this connection between the manifestation of something like a tumor with a kind of psychological conflict. Of course, we also dive into the topic of coronavirus and what could be considered a controversial view on COVID-19 through the lens of German new medicine. Dr. Melissa speaks to the link between panic and fear and exacerbation of symptoms and which biological programs could be linked with symptoms of COVID-19. We talk about approaches to resolving or addressing disharmonies within the body, and Dr. Melissa breaks down a couple of different case studies, one including chronic sinus issues and another with chronic acne, something that both she and I have dealt with for years and into our adulthood. I found this to be an incredibly fascinating conversation, and I appreciate the way that German New Medicine really asks us to use our own perceptive ability to determine if this model resonates with us or not, but to also look at our own life experience and our own bodies in a more empowering way. So I encourage you to come to this interview with an open mind, suspending any belief or disbelief that you might have for the next hour, and let us know your thoughts. I'd love to continue this conversation over on the Facebook group. You can find us at the Feed Your Wild Coven on Facebook, and make sure to tag Dr. Melissa Sell and I. You can find me at Wildly Rooted in all social media places. If you want to stay connected, make sure to subscribe and you can also sign up for the newsletter. The link is in the show notes to receive updates on upcoming programs and events and information that I don't share anywhere else about the podcast and interviews. I have a couple of programs coming up in May that I'm really excited to share. And one is all around gut health, and it really incorporates so much of what 
you are learning and receiving through these interviews and looking at gut health from the perspective of mind, body, spirit. So if that's something that you want to learn about for either for yourself or as a practitioner, then make sure to sign up for the newsletter and you will be the first to hear about updates on that. All right, so let's get into this conversation with Dr. Melissa Sell. Hey, welcome back everybody to Feed Your Wild. Today we are speaking with Dr. Melissa Sell. Dr. Sell is a chiropractor who specializes in mindset and health coaching based upon the principles of German New Medicine. After over a decade of studying in the world of natural health and five years in active chiropractic practice, Dr. Melissa discovered the paradigm-shifting work of Dr. Hammer, and it completely changed her approach to health and healing. The more she studied German New Medicine and incorporated it into her work, the more she was impressed by both its diagnostic accuracy and its therapeutic power. Dr. Melissa's goal is to help at least one person every day overcome the fear of illness, understand how their body functions, and learn to harness the healing power of their mind. To accomplish this, she has created a YouTube channel with many educational videos. She offers personalized coaching and has created several online courses designed to help people integrate the wisdom of GNM into their daily life. Dr. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with your audience today. Yes, I was just mentioning to you how I love your YouTube videos and educational videos. I think they're really great. So I highly encourage everybody to check them out to kind of go deeper into a lot of the subjects that we're going to be touching on today. I was thinking of, you know, the first time I heard about German New Medicine, because I was like, man, I've heard of this before. And I remembered it was, it had to have been over 10 years ago that I came across this interview that Dr. Joseph McCullough had with a Dr. David Holt, and he was explaining German New Medicine. And so this was in a time where I was deep in my research, trying to find answers to help support my mom, who at the time had breast cancer. And so I came across a lot of different various alternative and holistic modalities and, and models of medicine. But I, I feel like at that time, I wasn't, I was overwhelmed, number one, but I didn't fully understand GNM and a lot of other things that so, you know, kind of just got lost in the forest. And so fast forward over 10 years later, and I hear Dr. Kelly Brogan talking about German new medicine. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and that's how I came across your work <laughs> and your videos. And now as a health practitioner myself, I feel like I'm in a place where I have the capacity for a much deeper understanding of just how empowering this approach and view of medicine is. So I'd love to start off with, for those who are like, what the heck, what is German New Medicine? Maybe a primer on what is German New Medicine and also how did you get into it or how did it find you? Oh my goodness, you are so lucky that 10 years ago you had even heard of it. I found that same interview after the, when I found out about it about three years ago. I was researching something on magnesium supplementation and it was Dr. Carolyn Dean mentioned it in an interview and I was like, hmm, why have I never heard of this? And I was, when I 
went down the rabbit hole, I was, my mind was blown because when you learn German new medicine and you see that there is a doctor that has clearly laid out in a scientific fashion, the connection between the psyche, the mind of a person, their brain and the changes within organ tissues and that it's very logical and it makes perfect sense and it is in alignment with embryology and the different germ layers. It is, it's extremely scientific, but it also ties in the things that, you know, um, like Louise Hay has been talking about and her book, uh, how to heal your life. Like, okay, you're having shoulder problems. You're having digestive problems. Let's look at this emotional issue. Let's look at this cause that doesn't seem directly related, but we know we, we experience emotions inside of our bodies. You know, it's not too shocking <laughs> to imagine that those emotions communicate things to our tissues. And so as a general overview of German new medicine, whereas you know, another holistic models we see, you know, like anger, it eats you up inside or it causes something bad to happen inside of your body. Rather than that, Dr. Hammer discovered that when we have intense emotional shocks, so he calls it a conflict shock or a DHS. So this is a shocking situation that catches you off guard. Your body, in the moment that your psyche, your mind perceives this shocking situation, it has a pre-programmed biological adaptation that it starts to, that the program begins. So an example of this, let's give the example of breast cancer. So a glandular breast cancer responds to a biological conflict of a nest worry conflict. So let's say there's a mother and you know her child is playing and someone kicks a ball into the street, they run into the street, the child is hit by a car. That is a shock uh, for that mother. And biologically, her body has a way that it responds to that particular type of emotional trauma. And it is to proliferate or add additional cells, breast gland tissue. Um, and the biological purpose of that is to provide nourishment for the injured child. And so Dr. Hammer basically, he deprogrammed or he figured out the programming of the human body so that we can understand the language that when you have a tissue change, whether it's a lump in your breast, something in your digestive system, a tumor in your lung, acne on your face, loss of hair, all of the symptoms of the human body have a biological root cause. They have an understandable shock that the individual experienced and that the tissue changes are in fact programmed to help that person through that shocking trauma. Um, and so I know that <laughs> there are five biological laws and this work is extremely detailed, but hopefully that's a pretty good overview of the general premise that our bodies have ways of responding to shocking situations, um, ways to ad adapt our tissues in order to help us better survive that shocking situation. I love these connections. And I know that I can just imagine these things firing up in people's brains as they're hearing it and kind of like all the questions that are coming up around it. I would love to get into what those five biological laws are if you feel that it's actually doable <laughs> to to touch on each one, because I think it, it'll really be a wonderful like map for people to understand what is actually going on through the lens of German New Medicine. Absolutely. I agree. Um, yeah, so we can do this in a nutshell. So uh, the first biological law is the connection between the psyche, the brain, and the organ. And so this is 
the fact that, you know, we are perceiving with our minds, you know, everyone sees the world in a different way. And that's one of the very cool things about German New Medicine is it takes into account the very unique subjective experience of an individual. Because every person experiences life a little differently. You know, we have kind of these general themes, but there's no predicting how one shock will affect one person versus another. We basically will find out what shock the person had um, once the symptoms begin to develop. So that's one of the kind of interesting nuances about GNM. So when a person has the shock, this psyche brain organ, so the moment that you are caught off guard by something, you in like in a split second, your subconscious mind, your body makes an assessment of that situation and determines uh, what tissues will be best adapted to help you through the situation. So let's say you have a, a territorial fear or a fear for your safety and your body in that split second determines that the bronchial mucosa needs to be eroded so that we widen the um, the bronchial tube so that you can take in more oxygen to remove yourself from this scary situation. You know, most people are familiar with the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight system. And so um, the thing is with, with German New Medicine, it's almost looking at this fight or flight in a very specialized way that the body has very particular things that it does when you are in that state of uh, fight or flight. So the psyche brain organ, the brain has a map. So every uh, tissue in your body is controlled by your nervous system. And there are very specific regions in your brain that control very specific organ tissues. And so this is one of the, um, the amazing things that Dr. Hammer discovered is that you can actually do a CT scan of the brain and you can look at it in a very particular way. I wish uh, there's no training currently that for people to do the, the work that Dr. Hummer did in assessing brain scans. I know that there are a few people in Europe that do this, um, but, and I think it's an amazing skill that you can actually look at the brain and you can tell the biological conflicts that a person has experienced or is actively experiencing based on certain impacts in the brain. And so these are measurable changes in the brain tissue that can be seen on the CT scan that in certain regions. So for example, let's talk again about the, so you had that shock of a territorial fear and it's affecting the lining of the, the bronchial mucosa. There's gonna be an impact on the CT scan in the region of the temporal lobe. And so that tissue in that region is going to continue to adapt until the conflict is resolved. So psyche, brain, organ. You have a shock of a particular type, a territorial fear. There's an impact in a very specific region of the brain that controls specific tissue. So that's the first biological law. That's the psyche, brain, organ connection. And just keep in mind that for every type of shock that you can have, there's a specific area in the brain and very specific tissue. Now we tend to work backwards in GNM. So people come to me and they give me their list of symptoms and the symptoms from there, we can understand what biological conflict you must have experienced. Now, I, like I said, I personally don't work with the CT scan, but we can assume based on the symptoms that you're having and the emotional shocking experiences that you've had, we can kind of piece together the area of the brain that would be involved in that particular conflict. Does that sound good for the first law? Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Now, moving into the second law, this is the law of two 
phases. Now, the law of two phases allows us to understand the complete cycle of the biological tissue adaptation. So normally, you know, as you're going about your daily life, hopefully are in a state of homeostasis where, you know, we don't have any major shocks going on. We don't have any major biological conflicts active. We've got this normal day-night rhythm. You're more sympathetically active during the day. And then in the evening, your vagotonic or rest and digest system, parasympathetic, is more active. Now, the moment that you have the shock, the moment you're caught off guard by whatever the situation is, um, your body goes into a state of heightened sympathetic activity. And so this is when, you know, your hands and feet go cold and you're uh, constantly focused on the problem and your heart is racing and, you know, your digestion slows. So these are kind of the typical symptoms of being in fight or flight. But again, also during this time, there's specific tissue adaptation happening. So let's give another example. Let's say a stink conflict. A stink conflict is like when you're annoyed or you're frustrated or you're suspicious of someone or some situation. And so when you're in this active conflict, there's erosion or widening of the tissue in your sinus cavity. And so this is going to persist as long as you are actively active with the conflict. And this is one of the very uh, unique and interesting things about being a human <laughs> is that we have this cerebral cortex and we have this ability for thinking about and perseverating on and staying up at night worrying about issues. Whereas animals don't do that. You know, they have a conflict, they, you know, resolve that conflict and then they're pretty much good. Their body goes through, you know, goes right into healing. And in normal circumstances, or if you didn't worry about things so much, if you just had a shock, you had a conflict, you were caught off guard, and then you're like, Whew, okay, I'm all right. You, you come down from it, you resolve the conflict swiftly. A lot of times you won't have much in the way of noticeable symptoms, maybe something very mild, but the, the issue is when you stay in these states of stress. And I mean, stress is a well-known, it's the connection between stress and disease is very well-known. And it used to be thought of as, you know, depleting the immune system that you can handle so much stress, but at some point your immune system is going to break down. German New Medicine perceives the immune system and this whole system in a very different way that the every moment you are in this a, a state of active stress, there's tissue adaptation going on, deliberate changes to your body which is meant to facilitate the resolution of the conflict. So that's the whole purpose of it. We widen the uh, the sinus cavity so that you can better sniff out this frustration, this this danger, the suspicion in your environment. That's the biological purpose, um, which is such a cool thing is that, you know, your body is wise, your body is intelligent. And that's one of the things that drew me to German New Medicine is uh, my background as a chiropractor. The philosophy of chiropractic is rooted in, in the fact that the body has innate intelligence, that the body is wise, that the body knows what it's doing. It's not stupid. It doesn't make errors. It doesn't attack itself. It doesn't just screw up or break down, but it's wise and, and it has intelligence embedded into every single cell. And I feel like German New Medicine really honors and recognizes that intelligence in a way that I don't think any other holistic profession even does to the extent that German New Medicine does. So back to the law of two phases. You're in this conflict state until you resolve it, until you come to a resolution, which can take many different forms. It could be a change of perspective. It could be forgiveness. It could be, you know, the actual situation has changed. You found out information. Something happens and you shift from I'm not OK to Whew, OK, I'm all right. This is going to be fine. And your body, once you relax, once you resolve that biological conflict, you shift into 
the healing or restoration phase. And so this is where the tissue that during the first half of healing was in this case eroded the lining of the sinus cavity, or we can go back to the example of the bronchial mucosa. We widen it during the active conflict. Now the tissue needs to be restored. So you're going to move into a phase of symptoms. So you are normally asymptomatic during the conflict active phase, unless it persists for an extended period of time. But then in the healing phase, your body starts to regenerate. It starts to rebuild the tissue that was lost during the active conflict. But this is when you feel sick. So when a person typically feels sick, this is when they are in the healing phase because you'll experience inflammation. You know, whenever there's healing, there's always going to be fluid. So tenderness, redness, as the tissue is rebuilding, it's going to be tickly. So your nose might itch, you might sneeze. Um, in the lungs, you'll, you'll have a cough. And your body is doing something very specific during this time, which will... Halfway through the healing phase, there's something called the epileptoid crisis, which is a surge of sympathetic activity. Um, you can think of this as, I like to think of it as like the pendulum swing. You know, we have this law of rhythm, um, natural law of rhythm. There's a pendulum swing. So we've got this normal day-night rhythm. When you are in sympathetic activity, it kind of gets stuck all the way to one side. Then when you shift into healing, it swings all the way to the other side. And the epileptoid crisis is basically the surge that helps kick you back into the normal homeostatic rhythm. So it's a big squeeze to squeeze out any re remaining edema. Um, and this can, uh, in, depending on the biological conflict we're dealing with, it could be a coughing fit in the night. It could be a sneezing fit. It could be a seizure. It could be a heart attack, depending on, again, the biological um, program that we're dealing with. But there's a surge of sympathetic activity, and then your body kind of finishes up the healing phase, um, finishes up the tissue repair that, and then you get back to the normal homeostatic rhythm. So that's a, a case of one singular biological conflict. If there is a resolution to the conflict, there will be two phases. Now, it can get complicated <laughs> because you can stay in conflict for an excessive period of time. You can resolve a conflict, but then continually reactivate it, which is called the hanging healing. Or you could have like multiphasic, you could have multiple conflicts going on at separate times um, that are in either conflict activity or healing. So it can be, uh, can it get a little muddy? It's not always as clear as just that single phase, but that is the second biological law. Well, this is, br I mean, there's, this is bringing up so many questions and I kind of want to bring some clarity for people who are like, wait, wait, what? So how are the tissues related to these parts of the brain that we are experiencing, that we can see we're experiencing these biological conflicts? And I believe it's rooted in the science of embryology, right? Would you be able to touch on that a bit? Actually, that is the third biological law. Oh, <laughs> so, oh yes. look at that. <laughs> um, so the, the third biological, yeah, I know, right? Perfect question, perfect timing. The third biological law, it's the compass of German new medicine. And it is what relates um, the sciences of embryology and evolution to this whole understanding of what is going on in the body. So when you are nothing but a cell, a single cell in your mother's womb, um, there is division, you know, so the cells start dividing and then we, we have these fundamental building block tissues that make up the entire human body. And they are the endoderm, the mesoderm and the ectoderm. And these tissues, um, you know, the, they, 
basically they developed at different periods in evolutionary history. And so it's thought that the, uh, the brain stem, uh, is the oldest part of the brain and the endodermal tissue is the oldest tissue type within the body. And so this tissue type has to do with like the most basic functions. So reproduction and, um, and breathing and eating. And so this, uh, the tissues that derive from the endodermal germ layer are controlled from the brain stem. And so this includes the entire alimentary canal, uh, the lungs, the digestive tract. And so these tissues, when you are in conflict with one of these tissue areas, it results in tissue addition. So before we were giving the examples of the sinuses and the bronchial mucosa, that results in tissue reduction during the active conflict. For the endodermal tissues, there's tissue increase. Um, this also includes the old mesoderm. So we've got the uh, endoderm again is the oldest. The mesoderm is kind of like the middle. Um, and the middle layer is divided into old mesoderm and new mesoderm. The old behaves more like endoderm and during the active conflict results in tissue addition. So this goes back to the example I gave of the woman who has a nest worry conflict for her child that ran out into the street. The breast glands derive from old mesoderm mesodermal germ layer. And so that, so we're just kind of, we're just continually building. We're looking at each of these different areas of the biological tissues and the brain region that is involved. And so, um, we've got tissue addition for the old mesoderm and for the endoderm, and then for the new mesoderm and the ectoderm, there's tissue reduction. Um, the, the ectoderm is controlled from the newest area of the brain. So that's going to be in the cortex. And so that is the connection. So when you are kind of, again, understanding what is going on with my body, if you have, you have to look at your symptoms, look at where, if you have a lump, a bump, a tumor, what type of tissue is that coming from? And so that, that's where you can understand, okay, it's going to be this area of the brain involved and it's going to be this type of conflicts conflict associated with that tissue type. Um, and so if you are kind of new in, in to some science stuff, the embryological stuff might seem a little heavy, but the more you look at it, if you watch GNM 101, which is my uh, YouTube video that lays this out, um, I'm a big visual learner. And so it's a kind of a PowerPoint style. And I think when you look at it enough times, you can begin to develop an understanding for yourself. And I do think that's one of the greatest things about German New Medicine is it you know, it takes the body and it makes it learnable to the average person. And so I encourage you, if you're interested in this, to kind of go the extra mile to do a little studying, go to school, get your notebook out and kind of try to see if you can make sense out of, okay, this is the germ layer. This is the brain area. This is the second biological law. And you can start to learn and understand because when you have those tools and when you can see that this is understandable by you, that it's not just, you know, someone in a, in a lab coat or a white coat that has all the answers. Um, that's what I love about it is it gives you that individual empowerment to understand how your body functions. Cause here you are, you are, you have all of those tissues, you have ectoderm, endoderm and mesoderm and developing an understanding will help free you from fear. Because that's one of the scary things is when you have a symptom on your body, it seems like it's, 
it's wrong because it hurts and, you know, it might not look very lovely and it, and it can be very terrifying if you don't have an understanding of it. But when you can say, oh, okay, I understand that this type of tissue is controlled from this area of my brain and responded to this type of biological conflict that I experienced, you can kind of take that, that scientific approach within your own system. And I think that's such a cool thing to be able to do. I think it's, well, first of all, I'm going to link up everything that you're mentioning and that video because I did see that one and it's incredibly helpful to have those visuals. And I watched it a couple of times. I want to touch in on when you're speaking to like the erosion and the building up of tissue. So let's say if we're looking at the building of tissue or excess tissue, would that then in terms of a disease manifestation look like a tumor or a cancer in that way? Yes, absolutely. So when there's tissue proliferation, if it gets to a certain extent, if it's been, if the conflict has been active for long enough, you may have a noticeable lump. So an example of this would be a um, thyroid. Let's go with the thyroid. So the thyroid gland responds to, uh, let's go with the right side of the thyroid, a uh, feeling too slow, too slow to catch a morsel. So you wanted to get that job. You, you wanted to, you know, be at a certain point in your life. You know, you wish you had sped up. You want to go faster. You're like, I, I should already ha be CEO. I should already, uh, have had kids by now. So you're feeling behind in life and your body to answer that call of like, oh my gosh, I'm behind. You have a shock. You're caught off guard by this kind of either existential or maybe even a physical, like I got to get to this place by this time to put this check in the bank or I won't have any money or something like that. Um, you're, you're having this shock. And so your body will proliferate additional thyroid gland cells on the right side. And so if that builds up big enough, you can have a, a lump, a tumor um, on the thyroid. And so that could get diagnosed, um, for example, as a thyroid cancer. Yes, this is all coming together for me. And I think that there's a lot of ahas probably for those listening to and kind of looking at those different biological conflicts and really begin beginning to assess some of the things that we might have experienced or people that we know. I know that through this process and learning about German New Medicine, I was really applying it to my mom's experience and what I know about her story and um, disease manifestation. In her case, it was breast cancer in on the left side and uh, tumor-based breast cancer, although I know that there are different kinds of tissue-based breast cancer, correct, within German new medicine? Yes, there is the example of the nest worry, which affects the breast gland. And so that type of tumor grows during conflict activity and then is broken down using bacteria during the healing phase. And the other example is of ductal breast cancer. And so that is that program is different. During the active conflict, there is tissue erosion of the, um, the breast duct causing widening. And then during the healing phase, there is tissue restoration. And so the, in that uh, scenario, the tumor forms during the healing phase. Um, it's almost like a, a tissue, like a scab almost. So we had erosion and now the tissue is rebuilding. And that is when the tumor forms for ductal breast cancer. Hmm. And is it a different biological conflict that would be for that one? Yes. 
that would be a separation conflict, like a torn from my breast, a sudden loss, um, a divorce, a loss of a child, a loss of a pet, something that feels like it was just taken from you very suddenly and shockingly. That is the, the program associated with the breast ducts. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that. Um, okay, Dr. Melissa, I think we're ready for the next biological law. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So this one is very, very interesting, and it kind of turns everything <laughs> that we thought we knew about uh, microbiology on its head because Dr. Hammer found that, you know, when looking at the body from this very holistic perspective and looking at the evolutionary history of organisms, you know, we have evolved alongside microbes, <laughs> uh, bacteria. I mean, there's even interesting uh, ideas about the uh, mitochondria within the cell being some form of bacteria and how we have this amazing microbiome. And uh, recently I've been looking at the viome, which is the like the viruses in our body and that they actually serve a purpose. And people have been on that train for a little bit, you know, people who are into gut health and saying, okay, so we were afraid of germs, but now we know we actually need them. We need them to uh, digest food properly in order to make certain neurochemicals. You know, the second brain is the gut. We've been on that for a minute that we know that, okay, bacteria are not all bad, but Dr. Hammer, like with everything, he took it a step further and he saw, okay, these bacteria, they sit latent within our bodies. I mean, if you swab, you know, people's throats, a lot of people will have strep bacteria in their throat, but they don't have strep throat. They don't have the symptoms. You know, people have um, tubercular bacteria in their lungs, but they don't have tuberculosis. Isn't that unusual? Because we're thinking that these bacteria, they kind of stalk our world. And, you know, if they get into the wrong orifice at the wrong time, they can cause, you know, wreak all sorts of havoc. Um, but what Dr. Hammer found is that they are our helpers. They are there for a very specific purpose. And that during the healing phase is when they become active. So they are dormant unless they are needed. And so in an example of, uh, let's go with the, the tubercular, um, tubercular example, like with the lungs. And so if you have a death fright conflict and you're caught off guard by something absolutely terrifying that happens to you, um, your body begins to proliferate additional um, alveoli cells within the lung so you can absorb more oxygen and survive that scary situation. But once it's over, so when you're in the active conflict, so let's bring in the bacteria element. So when you're in that active conflict, when you are um, you know, scared for your life and your body is proliferating additional alveoli cells, at that same time, your body um, or has activated the tubercular bacteria in your lungs. And so depending on the intensity of the conflict, your body is building up additional tubercular bacteria cells um, simultaneously as your body is in the conflict. Then once you shift into healing, once that conflict is resolved and you shift into the healing phase, basically the, that extra lung tissue that was built is no longer needed. And so what do we do with, you know, like wood in the forest that's no longer needed? gets covered with fungi and tubercular bacteria. It's kind of, it's a mycobacteria, which is kind of a mix between a fungus and a bacteria. And it begins to decompose the extra cells that are no longer needed. 
And that's what it's there for. It's recycling. It's doing something purposefully. It is breaking down the tissue that is no longer needed. And I'm like, wow, that makes so much sense to me. I think that's so cool. So rather than thinking, oh no, somehow I came across this bacteria and now it has, you know, gotten inside of me and now I have this terrible condition that's causing coughing and bleeding in my lungs and all of this stuff. It's like, oh no, I had a conflict. My body built up additional tissue. Now that tissue is no longer needed. So my bacteria have become activated and they are at work breaking down that tumor. So that happens for those, those tissue types that build up during the conflict activity. So we mentioned with the endodermal and old mesodermal tissue, those ones involve um, bacteria and fungus to break them down during the healing phase. Now, when we're dealing with the um, new uh, mesoderm and the ectodermal tissues, what happens is, remember, there's tissue loss during the conflict active phase. There's erosion of the sinus cavity, erosion of the um, bronchial mucosal lining. Now, during the healing phase, we have to restore that tissue. And so Dr. Hammer said viruses, um, if they exist, because there is uh, a lot of interesting information out there regarding just the science behind viruses and what we assume that they are, because it's, it's really, it's like a snapshot. We have a snapshot of something and we're, we're saying this is the cause of this disease. But when you zoom out and you look at it from a different perspective, you can see, yes, the, the bacteria or the virus, it is there at the site where when a person is having symptoms. But we have taken the approach of saying it's the cause of it. And a wonderful example of this is like the fire truck story. And so, you know, there's a fire truck everywhere. There's a fire. And if a, a child is like, oh, mom, look, there's a there's a fire truck over at the neighbor's house. Um, you know, there's a red truck over there. Did it cause the fire? Um, and the mom's like, well, no, the the fire truck is there because there was a fire and the fire truck got called in to help put the fire out. Um, and so what we're doing is, you know, it's like blaming the fire truck for causing the fire when it's there. Yes. Bacteria and viruses are present at the site where a person is having symptoms. So you're, you're, you're coughing or, you know, you're, you're sneezing, whatever we swab you, we test for a, a virus or bacteria. We say, Oh my gosh, it's there. Well, it's not surprising that it's there when you look at it from this different perspective, when you see it is a holistic part of a biological program and it's not a cause and effect where the bacteria or the virus caused the problem. And this is very freeing because it frees you from you know, worrying about your neighbor and worrying about, you know, the person on the subway or, you know, coming into contact with people who have um, viruses or bacteria, because that's a scary world to live in. If you, you know, people who have kind of a germaphobe um, attitude, uh, nowhere is safe. <laughs> you know, when you really, if we had vision that could see bacteria, I mean, we'd be freaking out because they're everywhere. They truly are life. Bacteria are a part of life. You know, viruses um, seem to be a part of life. Um, they are apparently there's like tons of viruses in the ocean. Um, there's a very interesting um, virologist, Stefan Lanka, who discovered interesting things about uh, viruses in the ocean, and he found that they don't do anything nefarious. They're a part of the ecosystem. And so when you start to see bacteria and viruses and fungus as part of your ecosystem rather than a you know big bad nefarious something that has a plan to make you sick. 
everything changes. Everything changes about health. Everything changes about, you know, how you intervene in the healing process if you choose to intervene. So, um, yeah, the fourth biological law is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it for so many reasons. Um, I think one of my favorite reasons is because it really uh, invites us to question everything we know and believe and um, to really approach things from like a more intuitive sense, as well as, you know, putting the evidence and pieces together for ourselves. I, I feel that as a health practitioner, I mean, a nutritionist, and I, I deal with a lot of people with supposed, you know, gut micro, microbiome overgrowth, parasites, things like that. What's what's interesting and what I've been learning is how um, perceived overgrowth or, you know, like fungi, yeast, even parasites, a lot of times their proliferation are there, uh, is there because of an increase of toxicity or like heavy metals. There's a certain connections and correlations that I see, which, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable saying like, this is why they're there. There's an overgrowth or that's even the reason why. But I think it, it also brings into question our, like you were saying, our initial beliefs around something that was initially considered pathogenic. And what if they're actually helpful and there to help support your body healing? Um, of course, we are in the middle of, at the time of this recording, the whole COVID-19 coronavirus events and happenings. And so I know that people listening in are hearing uh, this fourth law and are saying, okay, whoa, 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 <laughs> because it really is asking people to um, suspend maybe some of the uh, beliefs that they hold around something like, for example, germ theory, right? Um, so I, I kind of want to just speak into this and touch on it. Uh, for those who are listening, who are like, well, wait a minute, what about coronavirus? And really looking at this through the lens of German new medicine, staying open, um, you know, as a listener to what um, what that view is, because I know it's controversial. So yeah, if if you feel good speaking into that, Dr. Melissa, I'd love to shed some light on that. Yeah, one of the interesting things for me in knowing this work is I'm very interested in individuals and statistics are kind of like, I, I, I want to know what happened with an individual, you know, because if this, um, you know, and there's a lot of different theories about what this is, whether it's like a bioweapon, whether it has something to do with 5G. I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of question marks. Um, so basing it on what I know about Germany medicine, if a person expresses symptoms, if they're having you know, a cough, if they've got a fever, um, you know, whatever their symptom, that indicates to me that that individual experienced a biological conflict of some sort. You know, if it happens to all be the same type of conflict, it's not unusual for regions of people to have a biological conflict at the same time. Um, one of my colleagues wrote an article kind of just looking at at what was going on in Wuhan, you know, which is where this all allegedly started, and that they'd been having, you know, environmental issues, pollution issues, apparently some kind of new incinerator that was probably going to, you know, dump out a ton of toxins into their air, and there was a big protest about it. And so, okay, that 
plausibly to me could be like a territorial fear. We've got these parents and these people who've got families who live in this region and potentially we're going to put in this incinerator on top of already um, not clean air and um, that causing a conflict. And I know there was, they like got cut off from cell phone service. So there was a lot of kind of drama in the region that could account for what very easily could be perceived as a territorial fear or scare fright conflict that multiple people experienced en masse. Um, you know, and I've been talking to a lot of my uh, GNM colleagues just about contagion and about epidemics and things like that. And I, and I do believe that, you know, we haven't even begun to study uh, what could really be at play behind things like massive people uh, developing certain symptoms. So I do think that conflict, um, I think that a lot of people can experience conflicts at the same time over the same sorts of situations. I also think that, you know, energetically, um, the uh, morphic resonance theory from Rupert Sheldrake is very interesting, just about how, you know, we have this energetic field. We have this way, you know, and also mirror neurons that we get close to people and we mirror their experience, we mirror their emotions, their facial expressions, um, that that could be playing a role also in, in this taking place. But, you know, with German New Medicine, um, I, I would love to look at individuals that did develop symptoms. What did they have going on in their life? What did they resolve? And then, you know, when we are looking at, okay, well, this is an extra deadly virus. You know, I, I definitely don't believe that's true, that there's, you know, certain viruses that are worse than others. There are certain experiences that individuals have that can be worse than others. You know, their own, um, you know, physiological function, how healthy are they? You know, how do they exercise? Were they eating healthy already? Were they, you know, was their body prepared for a healing phase? Um, and then the thing that worsens it, the thing that takes, you know, a cough, a tickle in the lungs, you know, we've heard most of the people, I saw some statistics, like up to 99% of people have recovered have had uh, been diagnosed with the COVID-19, whatever, and then they, they fully recovered, you know, the people that don't, typically they have another conflict on top of the healing bronchial lining, which is uh, water retention due to isolation, abandonment, um, existence conflicts, fearing for their lives, you know, being put in quarantine, being told this is a big, bad, scary virus and you have it. I mean, that's a very easy way for someone to panic. And it's that panic that tends to accelerate and increase the problems associated with any biological program, especially one having to do with the lungs because, you know, breathing is vital. <laughs> you need to breathe. And so if you've got an area in your lungs that are in healing and then you begin to retain water and then your, your, your bronchial tubes start closing up, that can be very, very dangerous and, and indeed. But we have to look at what was going on with an individual that experienced this cascade of symptoms. That's what would be so interesting to me. You know, the spread and the fear and the panic um, I, I don't believe that that's helping anyone, you know, just that fear of catching something, you know, I think the nocebo effect is in play big time when it comes to, um, developing certain symptoms. And, you know, there's tons of people right now that are, uh, you know, sick quote, sick with symptoms of the flu, but they don't have this particular virus. And so it's like, okay, well, what, what's the deal with that? 
And, uh, you know, it, it me, to me, it makes sense that the body endogenously, the virus is part of a certain biological program that's happening that, yes, it can get spread from person to person. But just because a virus uh, has come into contact with you does not mean that you develop the biological program and the symptoms of the virus. Because, you know, I, I just saw some politician got tested for it, but has zero symptoms. So, you know, th there doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason. There does seem to be, in my opinion, something more behind this massive outrage or, you know, because there have been worse, quote, pandemics, epidemics, and nothing like this has ever happened. So I don't know, there's a lot, a lot to consider, I think. I agree. I think there is so much at play. There's so much we don't understand. I too have really been thinking about as you mentioned, Rupert Sheldrake's morphic fields, morphogenic fields, morphic resonance, and the placebo, nocebo effect, and, you know, all of the unseen factors that we, that are at play here. Um, I think listeners of this podcast in particular are also open to that as um, a big component, like I'll do intuitive readings and things like that. So, you know, there's an awareness that there are a lot of unseen factors at play. And I love how you speak into really looking at the individual and um, and also maybe assessing for oneself, like if we can really check our emotions, look at how we are being during this process and facing, um, you know, a challenging or scary event such as this. I'm curious before we get into, or maybe it's connected in with the fifth biological law, um, what are ways like for people who are are listening in and are like, okay, well, I'm, I'm scared. I, I have anxiety around this. I don't know what to believe, which maybe leads them to have increased anxiety. What are some words of wisdom that you have for them or maybe some practical things they can put into place to help support um, th them through these, these biological conflicts if they're experiencing them? That's a great question. And from my perspective, um, when you, no matter what, camp you're in, no matter what paradigm that you kind of subscribe to at this moment. Um, I think there's one thing that most people can agree. Stress isn't good. Worrying anxiety, um, is it's an, it's information to your nervous system. And so that's one of the things I always like for people to check in with themselves and kind of have a moment, like what message is how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking about and the way in which I'm thinking about it. What message does this send to my nervous system? system. Is it a message of safety or danger? And when you can simplify it in that way, you say, okay, I'm sending my, my body a message of danger. It's like, okay, well, just keep in mind that when your nervous system senses danger, it's on board with helping you to resolve that, which in many cases means tissue adaptation. You know, like I mentioned, the sinuses, you know, it could be your digestive tract, your lungs, your body is, is trying to help you. And that's actually the fifth biological law is the quintessence. And that's just the, the understanding from this big picture of you that your body is on your side. Your body does not do things randomly or purposely. This all is meaningful. And it's meant to help you to survive and to have offspring and for your offspring to survive. That's like the biological, you know, this life principle that we have embedded within us is to, we want to live. And so when you are sending your body a message of danger, you just have to know that your body is going to adapt tissue to help you. And so if you want to stop that process, if you want to minimize 
the symptoms that you will experience when you eventually resolve that conflict, I, I think that understanding is the antidote to fear, you know, and so that's why I do encourage people to, to learn to understand. Um, and the things that we still have that are a little bit of a gray area that it's like, okay, we don't fully know for sure, but I do know that a state of confidence, a state of peace and calm is going to give me the very best chance of managing whatever the truth happens to be. And so it always, to me, if you can get yourself to make sense out of maintaining a state of peace for the sake of maintaining a state of peace, um, feeling good for the sake of feeling good and uh, really kind of managing your inner state and noticing. And that's, you know, part of the, the work that I do with clients primarily and with myself is that constant just inner coaching, that constant checking in and noticing where is my mind going? Is this serving me? Is there some, is there a different way I could be thinking about this? Is there something different I could be doing? Um, I believe that exercise is a really wonderful way to, to help manage fear and anxiety and stress. Um, because your body it's, it's built for action. (laughs) It's built again. If you're stressed, that's fight or flight. Your body's like, let's get a move on. Let's get away from this scary thing. And so if you are, you know, sitting at home and you're building up a lot of stress hormones and you're not um, expending them in the form of exercise, that can kind of just build up. And so I think that um, exercise for me is a huge tool that I use to maintain my peace of mind and to, um, you know, bust out of cycles of anxiety um, by feeling strong. Because when I feel physically strong and fit and able, um, I just, I feel more calm and able to handle whatever comes my way mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So, so that would be my recommendation. If you find yourself kind of spiraling, say, okay, can I under, can I learn more about this? Um, and with that learning, is that learning and understanding making me more confused or is it bringing me peace and understanding, um, that's calming me down? Um, is there a part of me that can just write off the things that I don't understand and just, um, zoom in on my personal life and what I'm doing right here and now, you know, quarantined in my house and I can't leave, what can I control? What is something that I do have power over? Because it's that feeling of power, that feeling of safety, that feeling of confidence that sends your body a message that all is well um, and that tissue adaptation is not necessary and healing can commence. And so I'm all about helping people figure out their own internal recipe for feeling uh, powerful, confident, uh, calm, and peaceful. Well, I think that's what's so powerful, too, about German New Medicine and your approach is, you know, looking at this consideration that disease is not a mistake and there is a reason why your body is intelligent and we can use these mapping tools to help understand what is going on in a deeper way. I mean, it seems like, as you touched on, there are so many correlations to ancient traditions and energy medicine traditions like, you know, TCM, Ayurveda, energy work, even shamanic traditions that they have this different view of dis-ease, seeing it more of like imbalance or disharmony and including that psycho-spiritual component. And, um, you know, even with newer sciences like psychoneuroimmunology or trauma work. So it seems like German New Medicine is really providing this um, beautiful neurobiological logical model for how that all like, pl- plays out really at the tissue level too for a manifestation of disease state um 
I you touched on some approaches that you use and some really tangible things that people can um, try out for themselves to help support themselves through this time. Um, I'm wondering if you have any, for example, like a case study of someone with a presenting disease state and and how you would work them through maybe either you know resolving or at least addressing some of those disharmonies. Oh yeah, the um, and that's the interesting thing uh, with typically the people that come for coaching are people that have had they're having a chronic issue where like it keeps coming back, you know, because if these things happen and, and they do, we'll have a one off. What was it back in um, December? I I had a little like I had a stink conflict, and so I had the sniffles and all of that, but it was a one time thing, and I fully understood it. It wasn't an ongoing cycle for me. But recently, I I worked with someone who's having ongoing sinus problems, and so uh, what did we do? We we looked at her symptoms. We looked at when they would um, come around because it wasn't constantly; it would get worse and better at different times. And so we started to look at the patterns. We started to look at what is going on in your life. Is there an ongoing frustration, an annoyance, a suspicion? Um, where where are you getting these invitations to reactivate this conflict, to send this particular message to your nervous system? And um, in our conversation, uh, we pinpointed it. And, and at first, you know, because sometimes we have blind spots to what it is. So it may not be fully obvious to you at first. Sometimes it is. And, and that's great when it is. And you're like, okay, it's totally that thing. And you may need some assistance in developing a new perspective around it or thinking about it in a different way. Um, but there are times that you just kind of have that aha moment. You see it clear as day um, and you're able to resolve it on your own. Sometimes it's helpful to have a coach or someone to, uh, you know, field ideas for you and say, oh, how about you try thinking about it this way? And so that's what I did with this person is we we found it. We um, experimented or I kind of gave her a game plan of like, OK, try thinking about this in this way. And, you know. Lo and behold, she had less and less symptoms. She, you know, stopped taking the medication that she was taking for the sinus stuff. And she's pr- continuing to improve her responses to her environment and these uh, these kind of triggers and invitations that she has to feel uh, annoyed or suspicious. And so that was a really just awesome example of a person who was doing something just outside of their awareness. It seemed like not a big deal, these thought patterns that she was engaging in. But once she connected the thought pattern to the fact that she's having this physiological adaptation and this chronic sinus problem, it was like, okay, now I can go to work on um, the way that I am thinking, the way that I am perceiving so that I don't have to keep having this, you know, because she she even got to that stage where she was annoyed um, that she was having sinus issues, which can (laughs) add another layer. You can, (laughs) you know, develop an issue for one reason and then you get so annoyed with the symptoms that you develop another conflict because you're so annoyed with the symptoms. And so when you kind of see it for what it is and you look at these cycles and start to make sense out of it, um, you know, the, the path will light up before you and um, you start making more conscious choices about what to think about and how to feel. And yeah, so that was a really great example of a recent case. I'm curious because I know you mentioned, and that's an awesome one, and I know you mentioned the biological conflicts that are possibly associated with um, manifestations with the lung and breast tissue and, you know, breast cancer. I'm curious because I get a lot of asks 
and questions about this in particular. And I myself have had a history of acne, chronic acne. So I'm curious if uh, you could touch on what might be behind chronic acne if people are looking to um, start addressing through this lens. Oh, that was uh, one of my big joys of finding Germany medicine because I dealt with acne into my mid and late 20s and it was so annoying. And I was just like, oh, I had done everything, the gut health, the the supplements, the, mm-hmm. the products, I did everything. And I still was mystified, utterly mystified about these patterns of acne um, and very demoralized by it. Um, but when I found Germany medicine and discovered that the, the biological conflict is a feeling attacked or feeling soiled conflict, now I, I literally know where each and every zit comes from. <laughs> if I have a zit, um, I, I did a video uh, like two years ago. It was I was uh, plucking my eyebrows and uh, it was painful. And then whoop, there's a zit because I felt attacked. Or you know, my dog would lick my my face and I would feel soiled. And oh, there's a breakout. And making the connections between uh, instances of feeling attacked or feeling soiled, and then that. Um, like that cycle we just mentioned, when you have acne, when you're in a cycle, when you're experiencing the symptoms of the acne itself, then you feel ugly. You feel soiled by the way that you look, by the appearance, by the way that it feels. And that can, you know, uh, I used to be really confused, like, oh, this is it. It looks like it's going away, but then I'd pop it or mess with it. And then I'd two more would pop up right next to it. And I would just like <laughs> be so annoyed by it. But now it makes perfect sense. It's not the, in my mind, it was the bacteria spreading on my face and it's the bacteria getting down into my pores that's the problem, but it's the sensation of feeling attacked or feeling soiled that causes um, essentially your body, um, the dermis, the deeper layer of your skin to build up a little shield. It's a little protective shield to, uh, you know, protect you against this attack or this uh, soiling. And then once the conflict is resolved, the bacteria in that layer of skin breaks down um, the little shield. And that's when you have the breakout. And so by understanding that process can free you from the cycle. Um, You know, a lot of it is going to be you know, transmuting some things in your mind because you're so used to looking at your face and not liking the way it looks, maybe avoiding the mirror for a week while your skin heals and noticing the thought patterns associated with not feeling uh, pretty or feeling like, you know, you're soiled because of the way that your skin looks. Um, Yeah. So that is the program behind acne. That is so enlightening. (laughs) And I can map out the many times where I have maybe perceived being attacked in a way, and how that related to my acne. I, I felt like the, man, the periods where I finally felt like I got a hold on it, which was recent, and I'm in my late 30s, you know, um, was when I let go a lot of that. I really shifted my perception. I wasn't aware that it was specific, that specific biological conflict, but I think it was kind of just my my putting myself first and, you know, shifting my perceptions around certain things, not to say that I never get a zit anymore, but um, yeah, this is going to help me even uh, in a deeper way. And I know that, oh, there's a lot of people listening who can appreciate that and can maybe start to map out what what they're experiencing and their perceptions around that. So yeah, thank you for that. I did want, before I let you go, I wanted to touch on something that I discovered uh, in my research and, or like my digging further into German medicine. And I felt like I just needed to kind of um, 
voice it for people because I know there's going to be those listening who are going to go into the research and then just are finding information that is like controversy around the founder himself, Dr. Hammer, and, you know, certain allegations and, and problematic views. So I'm not super familiar with it, but I kind of just wanted to speak into that and um, and ask, like, how do you reconcile? You know, I think there's a lot of instances of that where there's really wonderful practices or models of, you know, approaches, medicine, etc. But then there's, you know, problematic issues with humans that are involved <laughs> with it. So I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind kind of sharing how you navigate that for those who are listening in and might find that information? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's unfortunate when, you know, someone comes across uh, that information and it deters them from um, further exploration. And so, you know, I didn't know Dr. Hammer personally, unfortunately, I would have loved to have met him. Um, but I, I, I never did. And so I didn't, I don't know his personal views. And I don't know how much of what is on Wikipedia is actual fact mm -hmm. versus, um, something that was taken out of context or even elaborated to, you know, uh, besmirch his name because people don't like his work. Um, you know, he did have his medical license taken away. Um, but a lot of people who do controversial new work in a field, um, that the discovery of new things isn't necessarily, um, people don't like that when you come along with a new idea that completely shakes the foundation of, <laughs> of all of medicine, basically not everyone is on board with your mission. And so I don't know how much of that is fact versus how much has been elaborated. And so for myself personally, I, I choose to focus on the work, you know, like he, as a person may have had views that I uh, disagree with, but you know, I don't know, Thomas Edison could have had views I disagree with, but I'm still using electricity. And so it's kind of like his discoveries and his work speak for themselves and any personality or opinions uh, that he held personally don't affect the biological laws. And so I encourage you uh, not to be deterred by, you know, a couple of comments on the internet, again, because I don't even know how valid they are, and just get into the work itself, because his work is so worth investigating and learning more about. And the thing I love about it is you don't, it's not like a, oh, I just have to believe this. The biological laws are provable by you. And so that's what I encourage every single person, especially the skeptics, especially the people who are like, oh, I don't know about all this. Um, you know, my boyfriend was like that at first too, until he started to see the process, the biological uh, program. You know, we had an experience and <laughs> um, shoulder pain is associated with like relationship self-devaluations. And so um, I remember it was kind of soon after I had learned about GNM, we had gotten to, into a fight or something. And it was like, oh, you know, it was really frustrating. And I felt bad and he was mad and he felt bad. And it was just kind of like, you know, and then we resolved it. And then like a day after that, we both had shoulder pain and mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I had it on my right side and he had it on his left side because he's left handed and your dominant side is associated with your partner. And it was just like, well, that's undeniable. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's like when you start seeing it for yourself, um, it becomes less about like a belief sort of thing and more of a this is a biological law. Like this is like gravity. This is just the way the body functions. 
And so um, that's why I encourage people to to look into it, to observe your own experience, observe your own biological conflicts, watch your kids' biological conflicts. I watch my dog learn so much from my dog and his <laughs> conflicts that he'll have. Um, you know, and it's like, oh, this is this is science. This is because anything that um, changes, that's a theory. You know, like the germ theory. There are there were doctors <laughs> that would like they drink all these like bacterial um, solutions to try to get sick, and they wouldn't get sick. You know, because it's not a one to one. People, you can put a bacteria, a virus on someone, they don't always get sick. And so it's like, well, how can we say that that's the cause? Obviously, there are other factors involved. Um, and so it's a theory. But uh, in German New Medicine, every single biological conflict, every single person I've spoken to and helped worked through um, making the connections between their symptoms have had the conflict um, without exception. So in my own experience, and then I know in Dr. Hammer's experience, he was a very rigorous scientist. And so for every single connection, I believe I read somewhere that he had at least 500 examples of this being the case every single time. Um, and so, yeah. So, uh, and unfortunately a lot of the, like the, the research is in German. And so we don't have access to like, I'd love to read, oh my gosh, like all of his notebooks and everything that he discovered and observed. And hopefully one day it will all be translated. Um, but you know, as of right now it's not. And so we do, uh, we are working from a limited, if you speak German, you're in luck, but, <laughs> um, we're kind of working from a limited base of things that have been translated. Um, but yeah, I, I encourage you to, to look into it for yourself and to just look at the biological laws in your own life experience. Um, and that's the, that's, I think the only proof you'll need. Yes. Well, for those who are interested in learning more, um, and connecting with you and your work, what are some of the best resources and of course, ways to connect with you that they can take advantage of? Anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, uh, the YouTube channel has a ton of stuff. They're all Dr. Melissa Sell, uh, my website. I have um, courses. Um, I do coaching. And yeah, that'd be any way that you want to get in touch with me, reach out, send a message. I'd love to connect with you. Well, Dr. Melissa, I am so excited to learn even more and dive in. Um, I loved this discussion. I think it's so much food for thought for, for the listeners that are, I mean, I feel like even with myself having a mini background in just like a week's worth of diving to this content, I think there's a lot of questions that come up for me. So I know that, um, you know, there might be a lot of processing going on right now, but we can't let you go yet until you answer our final question, which is, what is feeding your wild? So whether that's body, mind, soul, any way you want to take that. Nature, for sure. Sunshine. <laughs> Sunshine. Uh, I love my feet on the earth and my eyes to the sun. I feel like uh, I am a battery and that's how I get charged. <laughs> so I'm loving that we are in a major melt. Um, uh, I live in up on a mountain in Southern California in Big Bear. And so we are just on the brink of spring. The monarch butterflies are everywhere and it's just being outside and um, just drinking it all in. So that's how I would say I feed my wild. Oh, I love it. Thank you for that picture, your mountain view. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, um, I'll, I guess I'll leave this open for any parting piece of guidance that you want to leave before we close out today. 
you are in control. You know, you as an individual have so much more power over your body um, and you have the capacity to understand your mind and your body and how they function together. And um, just finding what makes you feel strong, find what makes you feel confident. Like when you feel your absolute best, that's when you're communicating to your body that sense of safety. And so I encourage you to learn about yourself, learn about your body, learn about your mind, learn about your own patterns. And I believe that that will be the path to you creating the health, the life, the body that you want to have. Thank you so much, Dr. Melissa, for being here with us. I appreciate all that you do. You are so welcome. Thanks again for having me. Hey there, I made something for you. One of the biggest challenges that I hear from people is that they are feeling stuck when it comes to their health. You're a smart, capable, and creative change maker, right? And you know what you should be doing for your health. So what gives? Well, it's not about willpower. And I wanted to create something that would help you to unlearn the things that are keeping you stuck so that you can get out of your own way and master the mindset of health. That's why I created Wildly Unstuck, where you'll learn the top five things that I have found to sabotage your health goals and what to do about them. You'll learn what it really takes to become committed and unstoppable when it comes to your health goals and find the clarity you've been looking for so you know exactly what to do to get back into alignment. And I made it totally free. So if this is something that you want to dive into and create a vision and soul goals for your health and your life and bring your gifts to the world because we know that we need it then I invite you to join us in Wildly Unstuck. You can find that at wildlyrooted.com forward slash unstuck. I'll see you on the other side.